<laughs> thank you. Thank you. Morning. Morning. How are we doing, church family? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. For those that are visiting with us today, my name is Everett Peters. I go by Pete. Um, I'm one of the elders here. Um, and hopefully you're as excited to be here as I am. Um, this is a um, <clears throat> little bit scary time for me because um, I'm having to hold the mic. I'm not one of those that like to hold the mic. And I really appreciate seeing LC here, excited about the work that is being done there. So praise the Lord. If you know of a parent, shout amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. As most of you may already be aware, I am a parent. My beautiful wife and I have parented eight wonderful and delightful children. Six of our own, Candace, Vanessa, Everett, Natasha, Nicholas, and Philip. And two, D'Angelo and Kayla, that were from my daughter who passed away when they were seven and five. We are also blessed to be grand grandparents of 14 grandchildren. Uh, there's only 11 there. Um, the other three, well, two of them were, uh, were born after that picture was taken. Parenting is great, isn't it? I mean, everything is just like the parenting guide says. I mean, if you do what it says, Everything, if you do everything that it says, everything will be all right. I mean, it's a breeze, isn't it? I perceive that this is not completely true. In some cases, most cases, and maybe even all cases, the sole issue might be contributed because we might have chosen the wrong book. I mean, Amazon does have over 10,000 results for top parenting guides on their site. But I think we can all agree there are some basic fundamental behaviors we hear repeated from most of those guides and uh, from those that have parented for a while. One of the main basics is communication with your child. Talk to them. Express with words, guidance, and knowledge. Things to obtain, how to do things. Experiences, potential dangers, and a plethora of other things. As parents, it's natural for us to talk to our children. However, we quickly learn the challenge is, are they listening? Do my words matter to them? seems after a while they are in a dimension all their own. Candace, my oldest daughter, was about five when we lived in Navy housing over in Yorktown. I recall my wife being perplexed and called me to watch an interaction she was having with Candace. Candace was on the floor coloring in the living room. Uh, we had this open floor plan in Navy housing where 
the living room, the dining room, and the kitchen were all kind of one large room separated by a, a small counter. And Nina was in the kitchen and was calling for Candace. But Candace was not responding. Nina first thought was that she was ignoring her. That in Candace's mind, what she was doing was more important than listening to her mother. We heard that might happen, but really we were waiting for the teenage years. Remember, she was only five. But on further observation and exploring, we quickly realized she wasn't hearing us. A different type of concern took hold of us as we rushed her to the clinic and after examination, the doctor informed us that because of the many ear infections she had had, the scab had blocked the canal, blocking her ability to hear. They removed the scab, and she was able to hear. What a relief. As parents, we rely on our words, and our words matter. As mentioned earlier, we use them to build foundations for describing the most simplest of behaviors. We provide knowledge and protection. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop. Don't touch that. It's hot. Stop. Come back here. Watch out for that car. As parents, our words matter. Well, God's matters more. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 3. Uh, verses 13 through 16. We've been in the series unpacking the first letter of, uh, of the Thessalonians. As has been noted previous Sundays, that a church plant that Paul had started in the providence of Macedonia, uh, Paul being given a vision believed God was calling him to share gospel with this region, left Troas and entered to Philippi. I think we have a map. Okay, there we go. Um, he was able to preach the gospel freely, openly, until an incident occurred which resulted them freeing a slave girl from a demonic spirit. Paul and Silas were flogged and thrown in jail. An earthquake opened up the prison door cells and released them from their bonds, yet all of them stayed in place. The events goes on to talk about how the jailer um, thought that all, or feared that all had uh, escaped and that he would be held accountable for uh, the loss. Paul uh, cries out that everyone is still here. In the conclusion, the jailer's whole family received Christ that morning. Later that same morning, the magistrate called for their release, and Paul and his company left to go to Thessalonica. As were the custom of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, when they got to Thessalonica, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and for three Sabbaths, they reasoned, and some believed. However, there were other Jews that were jealous, citing some bad characters that formed a mob and they started a riot. They rushed to Jason's house attempting to find Paul and Silas but didn't find them and instead they found Jason and 
and dragged him down to the city officials. So after they had heard, the city officials heard the charge, they, uh, they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. That night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to, to Berea. And on arriving there, they again went to the Jewish synagogues as their custom to reason. And in Luke 11 and Acts chapter 17, Luke describes the Berean Jews were more notable than the Jews in Thessalonica and received the gospel with great eagerness, and many believed. However, the Jews of Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching in Berea. Some went to Berea, agitated some crowds, and the believers immediately sent Paul to Athens. Timothy and Silas stayed in Berea. After Athens, Paul traveled to Corinth, where he stayed for some time, a year and a half. Timothy and Silas finally caught up with him in Corinth during uh, this time. Sometimes while they were in Berea, Timothy and Silas went back to check on the church they had planted in Thessalonica and brought word how that church was doing. Hearing how they were doing and wanting to answer their questions and concerns, Paul pins this letter to these new believers. So please join with me as we now read First Thessalonians. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at you, in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you suffered the same from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come unto them at last. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we ask for an outpouring of your word not mine, your word, that Father changes hearts. And we'll give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Title of this morning's message is God's Word Matters. As mentioned earlier, 
as a parent, our words matter. The first challenge we seem to have to overcome when it comes to speaking to our children is somehow get them to listen or receive the words we are saying. You want them to hear you. You want them to understand you. For the words you are saying are important. They matter. Can you understand the words coming out of my mouth? I mean, when we speak to our children, we are sharing our reality with them, attempting to help them be better than us, be happier than us, be more prepared than us. Because of our love for them, we don't want them to go through the mistakes we've experienced. Many times remembering that those same, that some of those same words were given to us by those who loved us. So we get started by getting rid of distractions. We ask them to put up their phone. We ask them to focus on us. We position ourselves in a, a certain posture. Our eyes are a little bit more on the concern look. They look a little bit like the rock. We determine the words we will say, and then we open our mouths to speak, hoping that those words will make a difference. How many of you have had to give the talk to your children? You know the one. You know the one. The birds and the bees. I mean, what does that even mean? I mean, I'm, I'm a little confused. How does one start there and get to the resolve? It's an awkward conversation, isn't it? But let me ask you, when will you know whether or not it is received, accepted, or heeded? How often do you remind your son or daughter of the dangers of sex before marriage. I think it's safe to say Paul only had three to four weeks to get his message to the Thessalonians. Upon leaving, he was very concerned on how they received his words. Was it going to last through the storms and struggles? Would they be tempted to turn back? Would it bear fruit or die being choked by the thorns of deception and opposition? How would he know? Did he make disciples or just have a church service? I lost my place. When Paul heard the news, he was ecstatic. So he writes to them of his joy and thanksgiving. To God, for they received and accepted the word of God. Look with me at verse 13. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. Now the gospel was a new concept, a new belief. Think of it this way. 
It was as though all your life you had been told and even been modeled a certain thing. You may have questioned it, but it was the best answer you had been given, and now there is a presented this new idea, this new belief, which provides a better resolve of your questions and connects all the dots. How many times did it take for me to hear the gospel to acknowledge that my way of thinking and my actions were not going to result in what or how I thought it would end? There were many gods worshipped in Thessalonica in the region of Macedonia, including the emperor God, Caesar himself. To be bought up with that belief, then a stranger shows up and tells you of a new belief. There were probably many questions, many variables, many concerns, many obstacles. I'm trying this new thing. I, I don't think I'm going to try this one again. Yet not only did they allow these words to pass through their, their presence, their thought processes, inviting the notion that they might, for all their efforts, had not previously received the truth. They also accepted the word. And not as if it was Paul's word, but they accepted it at the word of God. I wonder today, do we really accept this book as the word of God? Does what is written in it, what we truly believe, and what and that what is written in it is what we truly desire to do? Let me repeat that again. Does what is written in it, what we truly believe, and that what is written in it is what we truly desire to do. As parents, how confident are we when we speak to our teenagers that the words that we are saying, they are receiving and accepting? We acknowledge that there are so many other influences that our, our teens are wrestling with. We wonder if they accept our words as being the authority. Have you ever had a decision with your, a discussion with your child and sometimes later you overhear your child talking to someone else and describing the choice they had to make? Or you receive word from someone first-handed of how your child handled that situation. You heard how they wrestled with the choices and the different information they had received the influences that they were bombarded with to make the more popular or not make the more popular choice. That in the face of maybe looking different to some, maybe not being as popular to others, but knowing that because of the authority and the love of their parents, they chose what you said. 
your words matter. And not only did they choose your words, they repeated them to others. For it was words of truth, words that would bring hope, healing, and honor. How did that make you feel? One of our children that we parented was a bit much when it came to being able to control their, their anger. This individual would lash out verbally at us at the smallest confrontation. Uh, we were constantly receiving word of their challenging behavior from their teacher and administrators. How that they were not able to control their anger and got to the place where we were very concerned that this person would not ever be able to live in society. This was displayed while in elementary school. Upon going to middle school, we were on pins and needles. There was some grace given in elementary school from the teachers and administrators. However, we were certain that the same grace would not be provided in, while in middle school. One day we received a call from the school. There was an incident. Our child had gotten into a fight. Expecting to hear that they had been expelled, we received word that they weren't in any type of trouble. We called them and to let them know that we had received the call from the school about the fight and asked them why they didn't fight back. And they responded, y'all told me not to get in trouble and fighting would get me in trouble. Praise the Lord. Our words mattered. Won't tell you what happened afterwards, but in that incident, our words matter. Can you imagine the joy Paul received when he heard of the Thessalonians' display of faith and resilience in the face of persecution he imagined was upon them? Paul was only with them a, a short period of time. And in that short time, he saw the mounting attack against the word of God. He had limited availability of time to move the believers from their infant state to the state of maturity. Yet they grew. Look with me at the end of the verse 13 or 14. Which is at work in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Paul received word of evidence of their belief. They stood firm in the face of being different, being unpopular, being some uh, illegal, illegitimate, unpatriotic. But they received and accepted the words Paul spoke, not as Paul's authority, but on the authority of God. So they weren't looking for Paul to strengthen them or protect them, but to God. You know, I am so excited to see those that have received, recently received and accepted the gospel and display, express their interest in the things of God. They realize 
who the authority is. Folks like Steve and Ron and Barbara who not only received and accepted the word, but showed evidence of the word working in them. As they share their storms, their temptations, their concerns, and how passionate they are to please the Savior. They're serving, they're growing, they're going. I get to see and hear of this progress every week. And just so excited, I can only imagine how excited Paul got in receiving the news of the Thessalonians because they recognized the authority of God they could weather through the attacks and valleys. So I ask you today, who is your authority? By what and whose authority are you depending on when you're facing the temptations and the storms of life? Do we stand firm on the promises of, of this word? Does God's word matter? David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David, why don't you want? Because God gives me everything. He provides green pastures and still water. He recharges my soul. He leads me to the path of truth. He protects me and even prepares a feast for me in the midst of my enemies. God is for me. Who can be against me? Many believers, or many believe this psalm of, of David was written before the, his triumph of Goliath. Because of his belief, because of his script, because of the scripture in which he read and cherished and, and held close to his heart that contains God is, he demonstrated the words he wrote in the 23rd Psalm by facing the giants in his life. God's word matters. John writes in his, in his opening of his letter, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. God's word was always here. His word has experienced every storm, every valley, every need, every discouragement, every cheat, every lie, every deceit, and has overcome them all. God's words matter. John continues to write, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It was God's word that made all things. How many things? All things. God's word matters. He continues in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John knew, Paul knew, Christian, hope you know this word as Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one who would be slain for me and you, taking upon him my sins, my rebellion my transgression, and thus taking the full wrath of God upon himself as my substitute so that I may be presented before a holy God as pure and unblemished. Not because of my righteousness, but because of his. God's word matters. 
Christian, I beg you, I plead with you. Take God at his word. When's the last time you spent quality of time in his word? How consumed are you about his word? Does your life display his word? Throughout Jesus' ministry, he many times mentioned to those that were close to him of their lack of faith. One such instance, very close to his death and resurrection, was the death of his Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. Let's pick up in John chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mar Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I drop down to, to verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. I mean, think about that, right? I mean, I love this person. They're sick. I find out they're ill. And I stay purposely two more days. And he died. And now I'm happy that I stayed two more days. And now I'm going to go see him. Then Jesus told, so Jesus and his disciples go to Bethany and Martha, one of Lazarus' sisters, meet him. And after conversation of, if you were here, Lazarus would not be dead. He asked her, do you believe in the resurrection? And she responded, yes. Resurrection to come, the future, down the road. And Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Question. Did her actions prove the words coming out of her mouth? Does our actions display the words coming out of our mouths? Do we truly believe the word of God? Further down, we see somewhat the same conversation with Mary. Picking up with, uh, uh, pick up with me in verse 32. Now, when, G when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had 
been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. What were you troubled about, Jesus? And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. The Jews thought his display of weeping was due to the degree of love he had for Lazarus. Sorry, I don't share the same view. I believe Jesus wept over their disbelief. How long had he been with them? Showed that he had the authority of the Father, yet they still walked as sheep without a shepherd. I wonder sometimes, does he weep for me? For the times I display a lack of faith, times I display a lack of belief in his word and wander after the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh, the pride of my life. How about you, Christian? Is Jesus greatly troubled because his word doesn't matter in your life anymore? Is there evidence in your behavior that his word isn't at the forefront of decisions you have have made or about to make? Have your choices been influenced more of how society, your friends, your family, your political party, your anything feels or thinks rather than God's word being the authority? Is he pleased with your walk today? If not, I invite you right now to, to confess and believe. For in this book, the writers who were inspired and led by God's authority to write hope, encouragement, and healing, words that matter. We find in 1 John, if we confess our sins, for whatever is not of faith is sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to be cleansed, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you be clean today? God's word matters. See, Paul received word that the Thessalonians, the seed that he had sown, were demonstrating their faith, were sprouting up, being watered and cultivated by God. So God, so Paul, in this part of his letter to them, expresses his gratitude to God. So as we conclude, would you please uh, bow your heads and close your eyes? Please know looking around. There may be some today who may still wonder, what is this word that matters? Simply put, it's the gospel, the good news. This book, the Bible, is a witness, a testimony of the existence of God and how he loves us so. That while even though we rejected him, rebelled against him, hated him, even made him our enemy, that he would want to restore us to an exalted position. 
becoming his child, his heir, to all he created by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, to be buried, and to be raised from the dead, that whosoever, that means anyone, that believes, makes him Lord of their life, will be saved. Saved from the wrath of God reserved for those that do not accept his gift. Not only is this the way to heaven, but it provides a life today, a life of fulfillment and worth. Jesus' words proclaim he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Unlike the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the good shepherd, Christ Jesus, came to give life and life more abundantly. I wonder today, you who seek, won't you, won't you choose Jesus today? And Christian, is there evidence in your life that God's word still matters? As the storms come and, and options are presented, is your choice God's word? Can you count it all joy when trials of life come upon you, knowing that his word is working all things for your good, to grow you to the image of his son? Father, I presented the words that you have given me. Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to work. In Jesus' name we pray. Please stand as the worship team leads us in song.